0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very, very accomplished professional from Vancouver, Canada, Mr. Daryl Stickle. Daryl, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ash. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Daryl is the founder of Trust Unlimited. He's one of the world's leading experts on trust He's done his PhD in building trust in hostile environments. And he's an author. And all of you know, I'm very partial to authors. He's an author of a book titled Building Trust, Exceptional Leadership in an Uncertain World. So Daniel, let me start by asking you to tell me about your own journey and what
1: led you to focus on trust? It's a good question. I, I grew up in a small town in Northern Canada. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty isolated. There was about 12 or 13,000 people there and people had to pull together. There was this sense of community mm-hmm. um, because you knew if you didn't help out your neighbor, they wouldn't be there to help you mm-hmm. when trouble eventually came when you were struggling. And so I developed this sense of if I could help people, I should. Mm-hmm. And I had a series of misadventures growing up, um, number of concussions and you know played sports and all that kind of stuff and it led to me getting knocked around a bit and it sort of honed that sense of empathy for others that uh, feeling like I I could understand other people's perspective and I found myself going to university in Victoria and I'd be sitting on the bus and someone would sit down next to me and say I'm really having a hard time Mm -hmm. so for some reason people were opening up to me uh you know, a complete stranger. And I wanted to understand what that was. Mm-hmm. And so I started a journey. I, I worked with families in crisis and troubled teens and street kids and worked on crisis lines and those kinds of things to hone those skills. But I eventually came to realize a lot of the people I was working with were just doing the best they could. Mm-hmm. And, and that even if you could see a path forward for them, they, they struggled to take it. And so I shifted and went into public administration
2: mm-hmm.
1: And I was working with the canadian federal government uh in land claims you know we have indigenous land claims here that haven't been settled yet yeah and so they would ask me these deep philosophical questions like what is self-government or mm. what will the province look like 50 years after claims are settled mm. And the last question they asked me was how do we convince a group of people we've mistreated for over 100 years they should trust us wow and i thought wow that's a good question mm. So I went to Duke and wrote my doctoral thesis on building trust in hostile environments. Amazing. Amazing.
0: Thank you. What a great response and what an amazing story. So let's talk a little bit about trust, Darrell. How do you define trust in the context of
1: leadership? So trust is the willingness to make yourself vulnerable Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, when you can't completely predict how someone else is going to behave. Mm -hmm. And when I think about trust as it pertains to leaders, I think the more senior we become, Ash, the less direct control we have over outcomes. Mm -hmm. The more important our ability to build trust with others becomes. Um, All of our goals, all of our aspirations, all of our objectives are met through the actions of others. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And a lot of times when I work with senior executives, I'll say, who do you trust? Mm -hmm. And they'll give me this close, tight group of personal relationships. And then I flip the question. I say, who trusts you? Mm -hmm. I get this long pause. And I say, well, let's go back to the definition. Mm -hmm. Trust is the willingness to make yourself vulnerable.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: How can your employees make themselves vulnerable to you and do they? Mm -hmm. And so that becomes things like giving me the bad news before everyone else gets it, Mm -hmm. pushing back on ideas they don't think are going to work, trying new things, being innovative, creative, being willing to make mistakes and learn. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are all ways that employees can make themselves vulnerable to a leader. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do they? Mm -hmm. And if they do, you've built a high trust culture. If they don't, you haven't.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. And uh, given the you know, scenario that we are now in, which is we've got you know diverse global teams who are not even meeting yeah. other than maybe over a Zoom, how can
1: leaders build trust with remote teams? That's a great question. I actually, I work with a woman named Kelsey Trigg, who's the global VP for HR advisors for a company called SAP. Mm -hmm. Um, Huge global software organization. She's got people all over the world and I've worked with her and her teams. She does an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And a big part of it is, you know, when we start talking about trust, it it feels like this fuzzy nebulous concept that that it's too complex for us to deal with.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: The reality is, is that we can be very intentional and systematic about building trust. Mm. And so for me, trust is a combination of uncertainty and vulnerability. It's, Mm. you know, uncertainty times vulnerability gives us a level of perceived risk. Mm. And we each have a threshold of risk that we're comfortable with. If we go beyond that threshold, we don't trust. If we're beneath it, then we do. And so that means that if uncertainty is really high, then the range of vulnerability we can tolerate is really small. Mm. And as our uncertainty starts to go down, the range of vulnerability we can tolerate starts to grow. Mm. And so if we're trying to build trust in virtual teams, it means we need to understand where uncertainty comes from and how we take steps to reduce it. Mm. And, you know, a lot of times one of the pieces that's been missing, you know, I think there are 10 levers we can pull to build trust.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that's been missing is, is our ability to engage and interact interpersonally that FaceTime that we get, mm. where we pick up on cues from each other. You know, so often when we do these Zoom calls, we're just so focused on task. Correct. We don't think about the other person as a human being. Mm. And so we miss that benevolence lever, that having someone else's best interest lever. Mm. Mm. And so a lot of times what I do is I walk people through, you know, in the workshops that I do and the and the book that I wrote and the, the master class it's always the same thing. It's teaching mm-hmm. people about these different levers and how to pull them. Mm. And so I'll give people a template for a conversation around benevolence. You mm. know, you, your listeners can try this uh, in whatever way works best for them. But they can mm. say, you know, I heard this guy Daryl talking about trust, and he said benevolence is important. You know, this mm. belief that you've got my best interest at heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think I do that, but it doesn't always seem to come across that way. Have Have you ever experienced that? Mm. And the other person's going to say yes, because mm-hmm. almost all of us have. And then you start to narrow the funnel a little more and you go, well, have you ever had someone really look out for you, really have your best interest at heart? Mm-hmm. What did they do? What did that look like? How did it feel? And now we're we're priming them and we're getting some clues about how to act in a way that they see as benevolent. Mm-hmm. And then we narrow the funnel a little further, Ash, and we say, what would it look like if I was benevolent to you? What, what does success look like for you? How do I help you get there? Hmm. And now we've created this mechanism for us to be transparent with one another, where we can talk about benevolence in a way that's actually got teeth to it—a way that we can gain traction and be applied about. Hmm. So, yeah. So very that's that's the approach. Very very interesting,
0: and you know you've used the word vulnerability, which is a part of the definition of trust. Can you give my viewers and listeners uh, an example of vulnerability?
1: Oh, that's a great question because it's different for all of us in some ways. Yeah, you know, um, I'm never more vulnerable than when it comes to my sons. I've got two sons that I adore. Things that are good for them are good for me, Mm. and harm that's done to them is harm to me. Correct. But if I but if I share information with you that could later be used against me. Mm. Um, if I express an opinion about something that's, that's, you know, might be, uh, a a taboo topic or a difficult subject, Mm. or if I tell you that I failed at something, Mm. all of those are mechanisms of me making myself vulnerable. Mm. And it can be from as little as me lending you $20 Mm. to as important as, as me telling people about our relationship or our friendship. Um, Or sharing information I have about my history and my past. Mm. Those are all ways that I can make myself vulnerable. Mm. And i got to say, right now we're having a hard time with that, Ash. Mm. Because, you know, I told you what the formula is, right? Mm. And our vulnerability hasn't really gone down a whole lot. But our uncertainty is bouncing all over the place.
2: Mm.
1: Because of technological changes, changes in norms and values, this sort of global leadership challenge that you've before, mm. um, pandemics, all of these things are changing the rules. Correct. And that means that uncertainty is bouncing all over the place for us. All right. Well said, thank you for such a good response.
0: And my next question, Daryl, is that given the fact that trust is so important in any relationship, yeah. are there any tools available for leaders to be
1: able to measure
0: the level of trust in their organization?
1: There are. Um, a lot of the measures aren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a measure that I use that relates to my model mm-hmm. that looks at the willingness to be vulnerable. So we, we we go through, Trust Unlimited's my company, and we go through and we will ask a series of questions around the different levers, but we try to get a sense of how vulnerable people are comfortable being.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that the best approach, so I one of the leaders I've worked with her company measured trust levels and it was a bad measure, but um, they had a scale from negative 100 to positive 100. And she was at 13. Um, And I worked with her for a couple of months, you know, did some coaching, showed her the model, and then had a conversation with her team where I said, you know, here are some of the levers that we can pull to build trust with each other. Mm -hmm. One of them is benevolence. One of them is integrity. You know, do I follow through on my promises? Do my actions line up with my values? That kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm. One of them's ability, mm. what could she do to pull these levers? Mm. And because now all of a sudden we'd created a shared vocabulary and they were able to have conversations about it, her score went from 13 to 80 within two months. Wow, and now she's been at 100 ever since. Mm. How amazing! And yeah, so, so in part, we get a sense if trust levels are low when we see things like a lot of political behavior, a lot of rumors people being, you know, passive and tentative.
2: Mm. But
1: yeah, you know, if folks right, reach out to me, we can talk about a, a measurement tool that we use. Mm. Happy to do that. Will do. Thank you. And uh, my next
0: question is, uh, Daryl, that with all the leaders that you have are working with or have worked with, is there a conflict inside them about the dissonance between maintaining authority and exhibiting vulnerability?
1: absolutely oh my god that's a great question ash and that gets to one of the main problems that i've been seeing leaders struggle with right now
2: Mm.
1: is a lot of times they need to let go of the things that got them where they are correct so if i'm great at software development i need to let go of that correct and let other people step into that void
2: Mm.
1: while i develop and hone new a new set of skills. Um, so that I could be exceptional at my new role instead of just really good at my old one. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them struggle to do that because there's a vulnerability associated with learning new skills. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. And there's this terror that these leaders have that if people see me making mistakes, Mm -hmm. they won't follow me. Um, I'll lose my credibility with them. Mm And the reality is, is that what we're creating there is a perception that it's not okay to make mistakes. Mm. It's not okay to learn new things. It's not okay to mess up. And so we end up having a workforce that's incredibly conservative
2: mm.
1: and careful about only doing things they're good at um, instead of us learning and growing and developing together. Mm. Well said. Great, great great question. Thank you. Uh, and when you talk
0: about trust, how does transparency and open communication
1: contribute to the process of building trust? It helps a lot. Um, because we're trying to reduce uncertainty.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, when I think about the model that I proposed, right? Uncertainty times vulnerability equals risk. For us to build trust, we just need to understand where does uncertainty come from? Where does vulnerability come from? How do we take steps to reduce those? Mm-hmm. Right? It becomes fairly simple. Mm-hmm and so transparency and and candor have a huge impact because uncertainty comes from us as individuals and it comes from the context we're embedded in
2: mm.
1: right and so the more i'm able to have conversations with you and and let you understand what my context is how i'm constrained mm. the easier it is for you to predict my behavior mm. and the more that i'm able to share my understanding and my story of the world mm. The more chance there is that we're going to be aligned. Because we interpret the world through stories, Ash. And if you and I have a different story, we may see the exact same event and have very different perceptions of what just happened.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. My next question to you is uh, about uh, rebuilding trust. You know, we have a lot of people who leaders who may have broken the trust with employees or colleagues. Yeah because maybe of their own actions or external circumstances. Mm-hmm. How can
1: leaders effectively rebuild trust? So a big part of it is and you know you're you're kind of stepping right into my sweet spot now because so many people are talking about trust, but they're not talking about how to build it. Hmm. Um, we rebuild trust by showing an understanding of the harm that was caused when when we failed.
2: Hmm.
1: You know if if I disappointed you, you know, say I hadn't shown up on time. Um, then it would be on me to say, Ash, you know, I'm really sorry that I was late. I understand that that causes some level of anxiety for you because you're producing the show
2: mm. and
1: it's your time and energy that's, that's potentially wasted. And so I, I need to deconstruct the things that may be going on for you. Mm. And, and then I need to sort of invite you into the conversation by saying, have I covered the things that were bothering you? Or, you know, you, you probably have a story going through your head of, you know, Daryl's unreliable hmm. or, you know, he let me down or this is intentional. Right. Is is that right? And so we start by asking questions and trying to apologize for the harm that was done. Hmm. And then we say, here's why it happened. Here's my, the story that I have, uh, you know, I, maybe I'm technologically challenged or, something happened with one of my sons or, you know, if there's a, if there's a reason why this happened, then I should be able to explain it to you. Mm. And I should also be able to say, I can't credibly commit that this is never going to happen again. Mm. And it would be wrong for me to make a promise that I don't have control over, Mm. but here's the steps I'm going to take to try to make sure that doesn't is less likely to happen.
2: Mm.
1: And so there's this sort of multiple components where we, we don't just apologize. And even if we're not responsible, you know, say my boss told me, Hey, you can't talk to Ash until mm. X time. You got to get this task done. Mm. That's outside of my control, but I can still say, I'm sorry that this happened.
2: Mm.
1: And, and then explain how I think it impacted you. Correct. Ask for your story and then explain my own version and then talk about how I'm going to take steps to try to address that.
0: Mm-hmm fascinating so one more question and then i want to talk about your book uh, okay you uh, have spoken about the model that you have built right uh, can you uh, tell me a little bit about the model and
1: uh, what does it do sure so the model starts off with the basis for trust which are uncertainty and vulnerability mm-hmm. and it goes through and it looks at uh, there are four levers within uncertainty Mm. so there are three of them reside within us as individuals that's benevolence Mm. integrity and ability right and then there's the context Mm. right the rules of the game the things that constrain us and you're in india and i'm in canada so we have different rules Mm. right different experiences different upbringings and this is the struggle that a lot of these leaders have is that the context is slightly different and Mm. and so we don't know quite what rules each of us are playing by
2: Mm
1: and each of those is a lever that we can pull to build trust.
2: Mm.
1: Vulnerability is a combination of what do I think is at stake? How do I value it? Right? Because you and I could have the same thing at stake in terms of money, mm. but might have different valuations mm. depending on where we are in our career path or you know or we may have different expectations about our friendship. Mm. and how we value it and those kinds of things. So those are other levers that we can pull where we try to understand what do you think is at stake? How do I help manage that for you? And then it leads to perceived outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I use the word perceived because we interpret the world through stories. We may have exactly the same experience, but different perceptions of whether it was a good outcome or not Mm. and who was responsible. And Mm. so there's a couple of levers we can pull there. And in the middle of all this is our emotional states whether we like or dislike somebody else. Mm -hmm. And because I like you, I'm looking for confirming evidence for my positive story about you, Ash.
2: Mm.
1: And I see you smiling and nodding as I'm talking. And it confirms for me that Ash is a good guy. And you ask these great questions and I get the sense Ash and I are really clicking.
2: Mm. And
1: so I find these positive stories to help confirm my decision that I should trust you.
2: Mm.
1: It makes me more likely to trust you and then it makes me see the outcome more positively as well. Mm. Right. And I attribute it to you because you're so experienced at this. You're such a good guy. And that makes me like you even more. And so it mm. creates this virtuous cycle. Amazing, Yeah. If we see something different, mm. if we, if we don't like the other person, it's exactly the opposite. Mm. And we search for confirming evidence for a negative story. We're less likely to trust. We're more likely to see the outcome as negative,
2: negative.
1: Mm. And, it creates this vicious spiral. Hmm. And, and this is why we see these long-term disputes that are so resilient. Right. Because we tend to take a cognitive, rational approach to these profoundly emotional problems.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're not successful because we can't gain traction. Right. And so the the model that I developed during my doctoral thesis, it included a number of things that, that still aren't included in most mm-hmm. trust literature.
2: Mm.
1: So notions of the context, conversations around vulnerability, perceived outcomes, and these emotional states. Most of the Mm. research treats people like they're rational actors.
0: Fascinating. fascinating. So Daryl, let's now move to your book. Yeah, Uh, And the title is Building Trust, Exceptional Leadership in an Uncertain World. Before I ask you a question, I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to go and check out Mr. Daryl Stickles' book. I'm going to check out the book myself. So Daryl, tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write this book?
1: So I was having these incredibly powerful moments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had one of my students, I was teaching in Luxembourg at the Luxembourg School of Business. One of my students, uh, you know, I'm teaching these MBA students and their their final project is to apply the model mm-hmm. to a relationship. And one of my students chooses his two sons. Mm. They're five and three at the time. Mm. And he says, our relationship is completely estranged.
2: Mm.
1: I, I've worked for most of their lives in Brazil while they've lived mm. in Luxembourg. I get around them. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I make mistakes constantly. I'm always frustrated and angry. Mm -hmm. So I think the relationship's broken forever. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the course, after a bit of coaching and him going through the model and applying it, his final report said, my son's now run to me.
2: They Mm -hmm. throw
1: themselves on me, tell me they love me. You know, They fight over who gets to sit next to me at dinner. It's a complete transformation. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was dropping grains of sand in the ocean, Ash. Mm. And I, what I need is people like you and your, your listeners to come alongside me and pick up great big rocks. Mm. Because we can build trust. It's a skill that we can build. We just need to be understanding of it. We just need to know how it works mm. and be more aware of it. And so that's why I wrote the book. I want to have broader impact. Amazing. I, Amazing. I want to scale what I do. And I don't want it to go yep. away if I do, Ash. Mm. Correct. Correct. Well
0: said. You also speak about the concept of emotional intelligence in your book as a vital component to trust building. Right. Tell me a little bit about emotional intelligence and how can most people build emotional intelligence?
1: So partly, for me, a a big component of emotional intelligence is is empathy. Mm -hmm. It's understanding someone else's perspective, how our message lands, what their thought pattern might be. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this as, as either, you know, Socratic approach or a coach approach. Um, Daniel Goldman is the sort of grandfather of emotional intelligence work. Um, But for me, a lot of this starts with getting curious about other people's story Mm. about their perspective. Mm. And one of the exercises I've done with folks, I've had senior leaders who aren't getting along well, Mm. and I'll sit down with each of them independently and say, Tell me what's going on. Tell me your story.
2: Mm.
1: And I get the story from each of them. Then I bring them together and I'll say, person A, you tell me person B's story. Mm. And it forces them to kind of think about what's the narrative that this other person might have. Mm. And how could I frame this in a way that that they would accept as I'm extolling it back to them? Mm. And then I say, say person B, you tell me person A's narrative, what do they think has happened? Mm. Wow, I I guess they would probably think this and this and this. And it starts the journey of creating a shared narrative.
2: Mm.
1: And so for me, a lot of emotional intelligence boils down to me including you in the conversation. Mm. Me having empathy for you and and with you.
0: Mm. Fantastic. And then my last question to you, and this is, for the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation, based on your amazing understanding of trust, right? what would you say are three lessons you would want a lot of our young viewers and listeners to take away from your own understanding and from our conversation?
1: Right. So I think lesson one, and this is one of the biggest challenges, hmm. 95% of people believe they're more trustworthy than average. Hmm. And that creates problems. It's not only statistically impossible, but it, it mm. means that when we see a, a problem in a relationship, we assume mm. it's the other person's fault. Yeah. And so taking a, a a bit of introspection, understanding that we play a role in how our relationships unfold. Yeah. And that, that we can be intentional about that. That okay. that would be one of the lessons. Um second lesson is that trust is probably one of the most important assets for a leader. Mm. It's it's probably the most important Mm. skill you can have. Mm. And it's also one of the few elements of your success or failure that's actually directly within your control. Correct. And so you can be intentional about it and you can actually, it's a skill that you can build.
2: Mm.
1: And the third, I guess, would be we interpret the world through stories. Mm. I find it helpful to start with a positive story mm. about the other person. Mm. They yeah. may prove us wrong. But if if we start with a positive story, then there's all kinds of potential for us to have conversation and, and reduce understand, misunderstandings. Mm.
2: Mm.
0: Mm. How amazing. And on that note, Daryl, in three amazing lessons, um, understand the other person, because most of us tend to believe that we are right and the other person may not be right. Second, which you said is trust is so critical for a leader, be intentional and uh, train yourself to be able to uh, build trust. And the third one you said, which is so fascinating and so powerful, start with the positive about everyone else. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your own journey. Thank you for speaking to me about at such length about trust. I've learned so many new things about you from Trust. Thank you also for talking to me about your model and thank you for talking to me about your book. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you, Ash. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world.